Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. And on December 15th, 2011, I was met at my lodge with about 52 U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services game wardens. Welcome to the Fowl Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the foul front. All right, today I've got Ryan Warden um, from Toe Tags LLC um, on the phone. How you doing, Ryan? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Now, uh, Ryan is, you're the, you call yourself the president, the CEO. Uh, Whatever sounds more... <laughs> more popular sure sure of toe tags llc and toe tags llc is um well i mean i had seen you guys i i can't remember the first time i saw you um but i remember thinking oh this guy's a kansas guy and i contacted you seeing maybe if you'd be interested in uh linking up because i i knew a little bit about the tagging stuff um and i've always just done um zip ties but you want to tell us a little bit about toe tags llc and um you know your product and then um we'll get in a little bit after that we'll get into how you got started hunting okay it's a uh my tag is a waterproof migratory game bird tagging system um it's designed with a reinforced eye so it'll hold up a little bit better in the field um it's made to attach to birds uh, after you harvest them or while you're transporting them or storing them um they're good they work great to take birds to your taxidermist because they require them it's a very similar tag um to transfer a bird like that it has to be tagged so it is a very similar tag um, we went through and uh worked pretty hard to make it waterproof friendly um and waterfowl friendly i guess 
would be a would be a better term. Uh, so hopefully it will stand up to the conditions that most waterfowlers are in. Um, it's a migratory game bird tag, so it's not just for waterfowl, but um, we've we've made it to where it'll hold up in a marsh and things like that a little bit better than just a regular paper tag would. Yeah, I'm I'm holding one in my hand right now, and I guess the way that it's not laminated, but it is, it feels close. It doesn't have the sheen on it, but like there, it's close to laminated. Like it's a sturdy, it's a sturdy thing. I'll say that. Yes. So yes, and I fought with a couple different things and ended up finding a material that I liked that that actually worked the best, but. I tried everything from uh, waterproof camp spray to to different types of material and even Tyvek at one point and ended up with this mix of material and it seems to work really good. It writes on easy and is basically waterproof. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, how did you get started in hunting? Well, I'm 40 years old. I've hunted my entire life. Uh my passion for the outdoors started when I was young with my dad and duck blind. I remember specifically, uh, we had a German short hair at the time that couldn't retrieve anything. Her name was Daisy. Uh, we thought she was the best thing ever. I don't know that she really ever retrieved ducks, but we sure like to think she would. We spent more time throwing rocks out there trying to get her to see the ducks and whatever. But, um, I was young and I, it was, I remember specifically it started with teal and they were a fast flying uh, duck and I enjoyed, I just enjoyed it. So as I grew up, I started to expand that a little bit and found myself at the age of 14 driving a four door blue grand marquee car. And I had a couple dozen shell decoys in the back and a gunny sack and a shovel in case I got stuck. And, uh, I went out pretty much every chance I got and hunted a lot by myself. Um, the call of choice at that time was a big river honker for those older guys that are listening. You'll probably owned one at the time. It was before short reads got real popular. Um, and I just grew my love for it. And, um, set it up to where I had weight class in high school first hour so I could try to hunt in the morning and uh, go to school and change out. So I just continued to grow my love for it, and uh, it, it grew into hunting everything, deer and turkeys and everything else. But I really favored waterfowl and migratory birds in general, and Went on to college and did normal college guy things. And throughout the course of the time, I found myself as a co-manager of a sporting goods store in Hayes, Kansas. And we were selling foils calls at the time. And one evening I was there by myself and was about to close. And the phone rings and I answered it. And Jeff Foils was on the phone. And... We ended up setting up a shoot for the next morning. He was coming out of Loveland, Colorado from a calling competition and wanted more footage. 
um, explained that he was going to sell the footage to uh, Realtree Outdoors. And so that was kind of exciting that if we could make something happen, that that would work. And so uh, we ended up going to the SHOT Show that year in Vegas, and uh, our picture was on the back cover of that DVD. So that was pretty exciting. It sold in Walmarts across the United States, and that was in the in the early 2000s. Um, I continued my love, ended up in Canada with Sean Mann and, and several other places with a lot of high-end celebrity hunters, and we were doing pretty good at it. I didn't know anything about tagging at the time. I didn't, had never heard of it um, as a... As a hunter, I'd never taken the time to read um, anything about the Migratory Game Bird Treaty Act of 1918. I strongly recommend listeners looking that up and reading through it, taking some notes in it. Um, it can save you a lot of trouble in the long run. Um, so my love just grew, and, and I grew with it. And as the co-manager of a sporting goods store, people were constantly coming in asking, uh, for donations for Ducks Unlimited, Quail Unlimited, Pheasants Forever. And uh, we had several leases. Me and my buddies had several leases up around Kerwin. And I said, why don't we start giving away hunts? Everybody wants to hunt with us anyways. And that would take some pressure off the store. And so that's how, that's how I started a guide service. And that was in 2000, 2001. And as the guide service developed, uh, I, I grew older and fell in love and decided I was going to start a family and got married. And so I kind of chalked that up to a younger lifestyle and tried to move on. And I moved several hours from where I was at and pretty much stopped guiding or attempted to stop guiding. And I had a local following kind of, I guess, of people that wanted to come down and hunt with me. And so I started doing that. Um, started back up again a little bit. I was a sheriff's deputy at the time. Um, I did that for several years and basically got busy enough guiding that I stopped being the sheriff's deputy and started guiding full-time. Um, I was living my dream. It was one of the best things that I thought could ever happen to me. And I always told myself, when you're not happy doing it anymore, you need to quit because that's what made you start. So when it's no longer fun for you, you need to get out of it. And I was having the time of my life and hunters were coming and I was on several different TV shows from Drury Outdoor Dream Season to, I mean, you name it, we were on it, from Predator Pursuit, Bow Madness, lots of different shows. And my passion was really for waterfowl. And we were pushing waterfowl pretty hard. We had four different trailers, and there was really, you know, three to five of us that were guiding waterfowl hunters at the time. And, I, and even as the owner of the business, I was still doing it. Um, and on December 15th, 2011, I was met at my lodge with about 52 U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services game wardens. Now, 
remember I was a sheriff's deputy for several years prior to that. So the local game wardens that were there assisting them, I had backed several of them up at the lake or whatever. It hunted with some of them. We had lunch and another thing. So they had my cell phone number and, and they called me and said, there's guys here at your business and would like to, uh, would like to talk to you. Um, so I got there, we talked briefly and, and went about our business and I could tell things weren't good. I knew from being in law enforcement that when that, when that many people showed up, it was never a good sign. Um, but I wasn't arrested. I was free to leave and I really was really confused about what was going on. Um, references were made about the Migratory Game Bird Treaty Act of 1918. Um, of course, the internet went wild with all kinds of stories and everything, and it was a small town, so uh, it created created quite a wave, I guess, in my life, and ended up uh, sending me into a divorce eventually, and I had three kids at that time, and so that was very difficult. Um, facing people in my hometown was very difficult. And in the the scheme of things, I was trying to figure out what what was the big deal, what what drew them there, and why were they there. I found out over the course of time, which we had our suspicions, that two of the guys that were there hunting were undercover agents, um, and we confirmed that later. We had talked about it at the time, but we didn't think we were doing anything. And I reminded my guides to continue to try to run clean as they could and and watch what you're doing. I mean, mistakes happen when you're waterfowl hunting. Sometimes people shoot one shot and two birds fall or whatever. So um, just try to pay attention to what's going on and make sure that we're following the law. And we thought we were. Um, I didn't hear anything for a long time. And it was an uneasy feeling, and two or three years went, and I got with a lawyer, and the lawyer told me business as usual, but business didn't really go on as usual. Um, it was about four days after they came in, Tyler Jordan flew into Wichita, Kansas, and I was to pick him up and take him waterfowl hunting, and I talked to Bill Jordan about it. And everything was fine, but we were very nervous. They were pretty high-profile clients, but we went on and did it and did a successful hunt, and they left, and everything was fine. Um, so like I said, the course of time had started to pass, and with each day, you wondered what was going on and what was going to happen. But with each day, I spent a good majority of my time devoting it to trying to figure out what went wrong. And I struggled internally with the fact that I went from being in law enforcement to now I'm in trouble and why and what is going on with that and I don't get it. So I started to do lots of reading. And as I started to do reading and I talked to the other guides that had been questioned, a lot of stuff started coming up about tagging. And we couldn't figure out I had never heard of what tagging was. So I started trying to look in the local regulations. It wasn't listed in Kansas. Um, so I got on the fish and fish, U.S. Fish and Wildlife page. 
This week's episode is brought to you by the following partners. Hunt Hickory Creek. And new to Hunt Hickory Creek this year is their Central Kansas Lodge. Now, they run hunters from the end of October all the way through January, and they're situated right between Kavira and Cheyenne Bottoms, which combined can hold hundreds of thousands of birds at a time. Now, these guys work their tails off to not only put you on birds, but to show you a great time. So don't take your chance on something shady or unknown. Come check out Chase and a few of his guides, Cody and Scotty, in our Facebook group and pick their brains. And if you're going to hunt Kansas, hunt Hickory Creek. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the fastest growing, most affordable decoys on the market. With unmatched customer service, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or divebombindustries.com. You can also find Asher in our listeners group, and you can use the code FOULFRONT to get your 10% off and get yourself into a large, effective, and affordable, and easy to set up spread. It takes about a minute to set out a dozen. They take up no space in the garage or truck. So go get yourself twice the decoys with half the price and none of the hassle at Dive Bomb Industries. Now, with dove season approaching us and teal season, remember that they too are migratory game birds. Federal laws apply in all 50 states, and that includes gifting and tagging laws. Make sure to keep your birds separated and or tagged when transporting or storing them with other hunters' birds. This includes from field to home as well. Gifting in the field, although commonly done, is never legal under 50 CFR 2040, and it must be done at the donor or donee's personal abode. For other helpful hints and tips, check them out on Facebook or under Totags LLC on their website at totagsllc.com. Have fun, be safe, and keep it legal. We're also brought to you by Athlon Optics, which produces some of the finest shooting scopes and binoculars on the market. Their ED glass is top-notch and rivals the glass of binos three or four times their price. You'll be able to pick a goose out in a depression from half a mile away with these things. They're tough, sturdy, and then this is where Athlon Optics goes above and beyond with a lifetime warranty. This thing is, which is pretty critical for a waterfowl hunter. So head on over to Athlon Optics and get a top-of-the-line binocular system for the season at a fraction of the price and a no-worries guarantee. FreelanceHuntStats.com. I have to tell you, I'm really excited to start uh, using the Freelance Hunt Stat system this year. So if you've never logged your hunts in the past, or I think it's something that you should really start doing this season, on FreelanceHuntStats.com. Not only can you look back and remember past hunts, but you can also use it to help you learn and improve with your future hunting successes. So don't forget to set up your account and start logging uh, this season. We're also brought to you by DuckNuts. That's D-U-K-N-U-T-Z. Now, I've been fighting decoy rigging systems since I started. Wrapping, coiling, even Texas rigs. Talk about a pain in the butt. Now, I work hard, but at the end of the morning, it's time to go home. And DuckNuts allows you to rig your decoys uh, so that all you got to do is throw them in the bag. And with their friction system, it's too easy to just pull the line and pack up or throw them out. It also allows you to adjust for depth. So if you're tired of fighting decoy rigs, head on over to ducknuts.com and use your 10% off foul front discount code. Also brought to you by Gypsum Creek Retrievers, which is a full-service gun dog training facility in the heart of the Midwest. And they look to build eager, confident, and reliable field companions through a unique approach that you won't find at many other places. So go check out Gypsum Creek Retrievers on Facebook or Instagram, or you can hit up Evan, the owner in our Facebook group. We're also brought to you by DuckTech. Increase your odds of success in the blind this year with the DuckTech mobile app. Three-time world champion duck caller Barney Califf teaches you how to make the most important sounds, what they mean to a duck, and when to use them. DuckTech is available to download in the App Store and Google Play. So with the season approaching, get the app today so you can put more ducks on the strap tomorrow. And uh, we're also brought to you by SRB Field Rests. No matter what where or how you hunt, SRB Field Rest will keep your shotgun, rifle, bow, or crossbow clean, safe, and ready 
in the field or on the range. Waterfowl hunters in the dry or muddy fields. Turkey or predator hunters in the pop-up blinds. Hey, if you're hunting deer, elk, or bear, or any other big game, uh, hunting in box blinds, they've got you covered. They even have rests for bow fishermen. So head on over to srbfieldrests.com and use your foul front discount code to get 10% off. Okay, let's get back into the show. But before we do, I just want to tell you guys, use these companies. Uh, these people are bringing you the um, the Foul Front podcast, and it's not just because they cut us a check. Uh, we have a lot of people out there that want to support the show, and these are the ones that we choose. These Behind all these companies are great people, really fun people to work with, and um, I hope you get to know them just as well as I do. And these products are great. So when in doubt, choose one of these companies and we appreciate you supporting the people that are bringing you this show. All right, let's get back into the episode. Ended up finding some st- information on there, but it was a very gray, vague law. Um, and it was, it, it was difficult to understand. Um, the law reads, it's 50 CFR 2035, yep. and the law reads, no person shall possess comma, have in custody, comma, or transport more than the daily bag limit or aggregate daily bag limit, comma, whichever applies, comma, of migratory game birds, comma, tagged or not tagged, comma, at or between the place where taken and either A, his automobile or principal means of land transportation, or B, his personal boat or or temporary or transient place of lodging or C a migratory bird preservation facility D a post office E a common carrier facility. And so my, my question after reading that was yeah, I'm that sure was, what uh, most of you are in, in like <laughs> confusing. Almost. Yes. yes. Lots of commas, <laughs> lots of A, B, C's and D's or, this option or this option. And so I read it several times and started to try to find help with it and ended up on the phone with the U S fish and wildlife service out of Denver, Colorado. Um, the two agents that had hunted with me on 27 different occasions were special agents at that office. Um, I talked to them a little bit, but they were still involved in my case. So we, I knew from being in law enforcement that wasn't going to work real good. They knew from being in law enforcement that wasn't going to work real good. So we had to ask the other people. Um, so I talked to other special agents in those offices. And, of course, they were walking on pins and needles as well as far as giving answers. But I think it kind of it grew itself. The relationships grew themselves. And they found out that I was in it not only to figure out what was going on, but for the better, for the growth of of the industry and the better off that we would all be, I guess, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So what was the, what was the, what was the end state? What was the, pardon me? What was, what was your end state? Well, so I ended up with, after about a four year period. I was still guiding, um, had moved lodges to a different town, and 
they send me a 27-page federal indictment, and ask me if I wanted to enter into a plea agreement, or they were going to file this indictment. This was a draft copy of it, or they were going to file this indictment. Um, in the indictment, uh, the majority of what what the issue was was tagging transporting birds that weren't tagged or storing birds that weren't tagged because I was doing as, as an outfitter and making so much money per hunt was taking money for it. They became Lacey act violations and they, and most of those became felonies and the felonies were punishable up to six months in a federal prison and up to $15,000 in fines per per incident and I was facing several of them where the where the two officers saw me you know transporting untagged birds they saw in the freezer that there was untagged birds and I I the learning curve I was on prior to to seeing this draft copy of this indictment I I knew I knew that those were violations that I was going to see because i when I started learning more about the do's and don'ts of tagging, I found out that there was a lot of things that I didn't know and I had never heard of and I definitely was not doing. And I also found out there had there didn't have to be intent to violate that law, which means when you're speeding, it doesn't matter if you know whether you're speeding or not, you can still get a ticket. There's no intent there. Now, if I tell you, at the and we're at the softball field, and I tell you, go three houses up on the right-hand side, there's a blue house, open my garage door, get the mower, come back down here, and we'll load it in your truck. And I really meant two houses, and you go up to the third house, open the garage, remove the mower, you have not committed a crime because you are not knowingly violating the law so there's the difference between intent and no intent there's no intent involved with a tagging violation they don't care whether you know it's a law or not they're going to write it does that make sense yeah yeah so they began to discuss what they were going to do and they landed on three misdemeanors and the first misdemeanor was I was one dove over the limit on one of the hunts. The two agents on were on with me. Um, we had a dog out. We were in a flooded bean field and the dog retrieved a dove that I had shot apparently to one of the other guides and they said I didn't count it and that I had counted out my 15. Um, now going back, they had worked, they had hunted with me for three years and this was now four years later. So I was, it was very difficult to go back seven years ago and remember one dove and remember, okay, I shot the one by the tree. I shot the two over there by the water tank. Then I shot the one here. 
it was impossible. And I knew that being prior law enforcement that I, I wasn't going to have a good argument with that either way. So you might as well just wear that and go on. The next one was shooting off the bed of a tail, uh, off the bed of a flatbed pickup. It was parked in the middle of a field. It was not on a county road or public or state road. It was parked actually in the middle of the field. Um, I remember I was sitting on the back of it with my feet on the ball, and there was about 15 minutes left of shooting light. I was standing there talking to the two undercover game wardens at the time, and um, a dove was flying down this field road towards this water hole behind me and not thinking about it probably showing off a little bit i shot my over and under and shot the dove um i didn't think about it at the time but both feet weren't on the ground so i was shooting from a motor vehicle although it wasn't running and nobody was in it so that was the second the second misdemeanor the third misdemeanor was for transporting untagged doves and this is where things i knew it was coming and this is where a lot of explaining goes into when you do and when you don't tag um migratory birds um with that said i created toe tags um, I went into federal court, pled guilty on the three misdemeanors. My punishment was a $7,500 fine, and I could not hunt fish or trap in the United States for the next five years. So that meant I had to get rid of my business. Uh, the judge had ordered that I could not make money off hunting, fishing, or trapping in the United States, so I could not be a broker or anything. At that time, I introduced her to the company I had started, Totags LLC. That day, I had launched a Facebook page and told her I had launched a Facebook page. I gave her a business card that looks like one of the, one of the versions of the original tag that we have. I made it into a business card. I gave it to her. I gave her some samples and explained to her what I had did after she asked me what I had learned from this situation. She was very complimentary and proud that I had taken a bad situation and of trying to make good out of it. I swore to her that day that I would do everything I could to make sure and educate other hunters. Um, it seems there's a big push for a lot of young outfitters coming out in the industry, and that's good. That's good to see, but I think it's fair that they're educated and know because I wasn't. And, and I can only, I mean, I can only blame myself for that, but I wasn't educated. And so my goal was to educate others. Yeah. And I explained that to her and she went on the record and said, I want this on the record. And you know, wow, I'm very impressed and I'll wish you luck and I'll be watching you. And she smiled and she knew that that had a double meaning to it. And so did I. And I said, you know, thank you and tucked my tail and went on about my business. But I'm 
about four and a half year, four year. I'm about, well, I'm about three and a half years into it. I've got about a year, year and two months left, um, before I do come off probation. So I've had a good chance to really develop things the way I want. I've came into a lot closer working relationship with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, um, especially uh, Special Agent Campbell and Anne-Marie Sharkey, both out of the Loveland offices. Um, there's federal offices, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service offices everywhere. The Migratory Game Bird Division office, their main headquarters, not imports, exports, and whatever, but Migratory Game Bird office is out of that Loveland-Denver area. And you can find their number, and you can call and ask them questions. And if you have questions about anything I say during this, you, you can call and ask for a special agent or a resident agent in charge or whatever, and they will... Uh, They'll help clear things up if I don't make them clear enough for you. But since then, I've developed a great, great relationship with with those guys and gals. And uh, I've tried to ask every question and get answers for clarity because there there is a lot of gray area in there. And these laws were created in 1918. So and they've never really been modified they haven't been modified. The judge told me they're the oldest laws in federal history and they're still enforcing them today. And although I wanted to say selectively out loud in the courtroom, I didn't. Um, a lot of the research I had done prior to that showed that there was no real tagging cases prior to like 2008. And then you started to see to be more common, I guess. Um, when I talked to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services in Loveland, they told me it's their number one, their number one violation, which really caught me off guard. I didn't, I, I mean, I believed it because he told me that, but I, I, at the same time, it was very difficult to believe because I thought it would be lead or unplugged gun or something like that. Um, any migratory bird falls under those requirements because it's, it's a migratory bird. So that includes crows, woodcock, anything like that, doves, cranes, ducks, geese, and it's applicable in all 50 states. So I hear, you know, a lot of times people say I'm in Arkansas and we don't have a tagging law. Well, you do. It's a federal law. Right. And the state can't be any more lenient. They can be more strict, but they can't be lenient. They can't be more lenient. So you know, the federal the federal law may say something about tagging, you know, once a day or something. And the state law can't say, no, only every other. They can say you'll have to tag twice a day. Right. But they can't be they can't be more lenient. So that game warden that comes by and um <clears throat> you know Ask, hey, whose birds are whose? Um, and you sort them out then. He's being, uh, he's being pretty lenient. Yes. He's, he's being very lenient. And he, he, he has you for a violation at that point. And probably if, if you're not getting in trouble at that point, um, 
he has you for a violation at that point. He probably knows he has you for a violation at that point and is kind of seeing how your interaction goes. You know, and game wardens are, are guys just like me and you, and I was in law enforcement once. But, you know, generally speaking, they're good guys and they want to do good things and they love wildlife just as much as you do. And they're out there trying to protect them. So kudos to them for that. Uh, and they don't want to be jerks unless we make them jerks a lot of times. Right. Um, but when it comes to outfitters, you're, you are held at a little bit higher standard. And they expect you to follow things a little bit more closely. And I'm not saying that I've never talked to any individuals that haven't been had tagging violations. I've talked to a lot. I've heard a lot of stories about guys being in trouble for tagging and getting tickets written to them. Now, when it gets written to you and you're not taking money to guide hunters, then the result of that is a misdemeanor fine. It's a misdemeanor ticket. It's not a Lacey Act violation because you're not taking you're not taking money for that. Yeah, I you're suppose, just simply you're just simply committing it. I suppose we should back it up just for you know maybe some people that are new to uh, waterfowl or hunting and stuff. Um, maybe explaining the Lacey Act for just a, a minute or two and uh, what its original intent was. The Lacey Act was created in 1900, and its job was to begin to protect wildlife and and it, it it i mean it even led into trees and and certain types of wood um gibson guitar i believe don't quote me on this but one of the major guitar guys um got in trouble under lacey act violations for bringing in certain wood that was supposed to be protected so, and of course, this was not in 1900. This was much later. But the the law was, there was no law to do anything. And people were going down the rivers with, you know, four-gauge punt guns stuck to the front of their boat. And they were shooting, you know, mass numbers of everything from deer to whatever. And so basically they came out and started to try to protect things. The Lacey Act kind of, kind of failed it, it didn't, and it, and I mean, I say that, and that's what ended up getting me, so I guess it did not fail, but I mean, it failed at the time. They weren't accomplishing the results they, they wanted to, so there was two senators, uh, a guy by the name of Weeks and the guy a guy by the name of McLean, and I think they were like Massachusetts and Wisconsin senators, and sometime around 1913, they tried to make a, a little bit more severe laws, which those laws ended up falling into the, 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 the foundation, I guess, for what became the Migratory Game Bird Treaty Act of 1918. So there's a Weeks-McLean Act, and then there, then there turns into the the Migratory Game Bird Treaty Act of 1918. So it, they're kind of a, they're kind of steps that, that move things in the right direction, I guess, to start protecting the wildlife. Right. And, so you just, and, you weren't just floating out into the, you know, to the, to the bay and shooting 600 canvas backs in a day to sell yes. on the market. Yes, and it fell it fell into basically everything, and that's why you have deer tags, and that's why you have 
Sure. You know, a bunch of that stuff falls under the Lacey Act. And then the, and then the Migratory Game Bird Treaty Act focused obviously more on migratory game birds. But they were trying to stop the sale of, of ducks and doves and migratory on, on birds in general. Yeah, on the market. Yes, yeah. on a market to a meat market. So they're going to they, – so the, they came out with tagging and said it's going to be tagged if it's – you know, it's going to be tagged basically. So we know – who do, who did what and if it's not tagged then whoever's in possession of it's going to be in, in trouble right because otherwise they're just going to say oh i don't remember it's yeah. up to him to tag them so they had to make penalties on both sides so they made it and, and this goes all the way through with gifting under 50 cfr 2040 it falls under all, it this guideline lays out across all this stuff to try to cover tagging in general and all the situations from tagging in the field to tagging in transport or storage or gifting. Yeah. And that's how that lays out. And we can cover as much or as little of that as you want. Yeah. I think we should start with, uh, you know, field possession and then move into transportation. Then we can get a little bit into, um, um, you know, taking it home and gifting. Okay. So the field possession limits, um, I misread my notes earlier, but the field possession limits um, basically state that you have to be in direct possession of your birds, whether they're tagged or not. And for example, if you're in the field and tagging occurs that's fine you you me and you hunt waterfowl and we're laying in the field shooting field ducks and me and you shoot some field ducks and i tag mine and i sit them behind my blind and i get up and um decide i'm going to go back to the pickup we're done for the day uh it doesn't matter if my birds are tagged or not i have to carry those birds out with me they have to be in my possession. So you can't leave a man or, or a gal in 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 the field or in the hunting area with um, multiple people's harvest. No, and we've all done it. Yep. We've all jumped into a vehicle, or we've all jumped up out of a blind, left six geese or five geese laying behind a blind and three ducks, closed the lid to our blind, left our shotgun there, ran out, grabbed a truck, came in and started picking up and loaded things up that way. It's a field possession violation limit. Um, it falls under 50 CFR 2035. Um, and basically it, it's stating that until you get to your primary means of transportation, your principal means of transportation, until you get there, then you have to be in possession of your birds and they have to be separated from everybody else's. Now, here's where things get interesting because there's, if, if you tag them, that defines separation, but you still have to be present. For example, if me and you put 
your ducks on one side of the game carrier and all those ducks are tagged and my duck on my ducks on the other side of the game carrier carrier and that side of the game carrier is tagged or all those ducks are tagged and and I throw them over my shoulder and we walk out together you're still in possession because you're standing right beside me they're separated because what what you have is tagged and what I have is tagged now if you leave and go to the pickup and I'm standing there holding that, it doesn't matter whether they're tagged or not. You're not in direct possession of those birds. And now does, that does it sense? have to be the pickup or can it be the it, boat? Um, it says the law states um, – Automobile or principal means of land transportation. Land transportation. So you can throw them in the boat. You can throw them in the boat, but they they have to be separated. Mm. So when four guys are sitting in a boat and there's 27 ducks at the front of the boat, or 23 ducks at the front of the boat, for, for instance, then... And they're all in a pile, and nobody knows who shot what. That's that's not good. You're in violation of the law in Louisiana. I hear they write for that all the time at, at boat ramps. Yeah. Now, if we're all four in the boat and we got all the ducks up front, um, but they all got tow tags, LLC tags on them, properly filled out, we're still then good. you're fine. You're fine because you have sep- you have what enough separation to be able to say. The game warden is going to be, without asking you, is going to be able to tell who, who shot what mm, because they're going to pick it up and they're going to say, Bob, who, which one is Bob? And you're going to lift your hand up and say, I'm Bob. And they're going to say, who's Frank? And you're going to say, I'm Frank and whatever. And so they're going to go through like that. They can And tagging is a general term and separation is 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 kind of a general term as well. Yeah. They, they'll what tell is- you that separation. Separation can be in milk cartons or milk crates. So you could have four milk crates at the front and your duck's in one and my duck's in another and Leroy's in one and Tristan's in another or whatever. And then we can all, if the game warden says who shot what, you say, well, my crate's the one bottom on the left. You, You have separation there. So tagged or not, you're fine at that point. You're you're okay. Okay. So when it comes to the, okay, so you've got separation in the field. Yeah. Uh, but when you get to your land conveyance, it's not just separation now. It's separation and tag, correct? It's still well, yes and no. That's this is the gray area of it. It's 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 got to be. It's got to be one or the other. You've either got to have separation. If you don't have separate, and when I asked Stacy Campbell at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, I said, what happens when you have 15 ducks in the back of a truck in a pile and you got three guys riding in your truck and you're going back to town? They're all three present. They shot the ducks because that's what, that's what most people do whether 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 anybody wants to admit to it or not that's what most people do so i said what's what what's the deal and he said those birds got to be separated 
and we we get along good enough. Me and Stacy do. I I asked him. I said, "Hey, what? You know what? Uh, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here a little bit. Where's the law that says they have to be separated?" And I and he and he said, "Well, if they're not separated, then we're going to write you a violation." And I said, "What are you going to write me for if they're not separated?" And he said, "We can write you for possession limit, which will go to the driver of the vehicle." And for being in violation of the possession limit, because you have care and custody and control of the vehicle, just like if there's drugs in your vehicle on a traffic stop, Mm -hmm. you're responsible as a driver. Other people may get charged too, but you're definitely responsible as a driver. He said, or we can write you under tagging violation. And so I continued to ask him, what if, what if they're in a pile back there and they're tagged? And they said, if you if they're tagged in any fashion, then you just saved yourself a whole lot of trouble. He said, you're, you're not in any type of violation. If they can pull out a duck without asking anybody who did what and see who shot that duck, then you're fine. If they grab one duck and they're zip-tied, it's zip-tied to nine other or five other ducks, and they're all and they're all legally taken, legally harvested, and they're all... And there's a tag on them that says one Mallard Drake, one Mallard Hen, two Pintail Drakes, two Gadwalls, whatever. Then as long as the tag matches what's attached and everything on on the tag is filled out correctly, he said, you're, you're, you're fine. Yeah. And so what goes into the elements of a tag? you know, a a good binding legal tag. So the original, the original requirements, and it took me a long time to find what has to be on a tag. The original requirements is that your name, your address, uh, your, your hunting license, the date of harvest, what you harvested, your signature, and, I don't know if I mentioned license number or and home address and then the location of harvest. So nobody wants to give location of harvest, right? Sure. Nobody wants to do that. And location of harvest, I think, fell more along the lines of what state you were in. Um, so... I've worked with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and got the information on the tag that needs to be pertinent. All the all the tags right now, when you go in and buy a hunting license, it's electronic. Yep. Um, they can most all your game wardens can pull that up in their trucks with their MDTs. So the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has allowed some of that information to come off there. They're saying by putting your name and your license number on there, that's going to attach your most current address because they're going to be able to look it up by license number. Gotcha. So we've tried to simplify the tag as much as we could for as least amount of writing as we could. In the same token, I originally thought and originally opened the business with individual tags for each bird. And I found through continued conversation and growth with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the tagging is a general term. 
Each one does not have to be tagged. However, a tag has to be attached somewhere. So you could have 50 snow geese, and you could zip tie their legs together, and then the heads of the next one together, and the wings of the next one together. And if they were all in a chain, and you had one tag at the end of that chain that said 50 snow geese harvested on today's date with your name and your license number, then you, then you would be legal. If you put them in a five-gallon bucket and never bought one of my tags or made a tag similar to mine, and you put them in a five-gallon bucket and wrote on the side of the five-gallon bucket, that would be a legal way to tag as well. Even a, even a legal way to store if you could store them in there. Hmm. Because as things progress with the tagging law, then... You go from field possession limit, which is 50 CFR 2035. You go from the field possession limit. Then you go into transporting and the actual tagging requirement, which is 50 CFR 2036. So jumping back just a little bit, when you're in the field and you stack the biggest geese on the bottom and the next set of geese on top, and then you lay the two-banded speckle bellies on top, of that, that is a violation. You're violating the law unless those birds are tagged or zip tied or some way to identify who shot what. Right. So I think Banded came out with a tagging system about a year to two years after I did. Um, it is. It's colored zip ties, and they will zip tie their legs, and one person is responsible for pink, and one person is responsible for black, and one person is responsible for whatever, and they have a tag as well. Their tag is not waterproof. I'm not here to bash them or whatever. I think they're doing a good thing by educating as well, and uh, I, I mean, I encourage that. They, they definitely probably have a bigger following than I do, especially at this time. So I think that's good. Any type of education is good. But the biggest complaint I hear is that their tag isn't waterproof and it, and it, the eyes rip out of it. I hear a lot of talk about the zip ties breaking and cold temperatures and stuff like that. So, um, maybe I did do something right. By by doing my tag the way I did it, I'm I'm not joking. It's a thick piece of you know, it's not paper. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it might be made of paper. I don't know, but it does not feel like paper. Yeah. So, so when you're doing field piles, even if you will, I, I know it doesn't look as cool, but trust me, it's better if you'll leave a little bit of a gap in there and everybody's present sitting behind their birds. Um, that's much better. And guys, they can write tickets uh, off Facebook photos, right? Well, it's, it's a little harder to tell that there's not a zip tie there. Sure. You could say you're hiding it for artistic. uh... Yeah. Okay. So they're, they're going to have a little bit harder time with that. And and you probably won't see very many cases of that, Right. but there's no good way to say this. And even your best game wardens and friends will tell you the same thing. The hunter is becoming the hunted. And with social media, that's what's happening. 
these guys are sitting in their offices during non-peak seasons and looking through and scrolling through Facebook and looking at who's doing what and seeing big piles and not very many hunters and stuff like that. And then they get paid to hunt with you. So why not? It's a dream job. So they call you and book a hunt with you and they come and they say, Hey, we want pictures like it's on your website or like you have on Facebook or whatever. And so then they're there to see firsthand. So then they start having violations and like anything, um, a controlled drug buyer or whatever, that's how you get probable cause to go into the house because he's dealing out of this house. So now you take that to a judge and you, you fill out proper paperwork and you get a legal search warrant to go into that house because he's coming out of that house and selling me little bags of marijuana. So now we have probable cause to believe he's dealing out of that house. So they go in there. Well, then when they find anything else that they find while they're in there serving that search warrant, you can get charged with. So when they come and they see that you're not tagging, they have what they need to, to start getting search warrants and whatever. And as they check your freezers and stuff at the lodges and there's nothing tagged, or you don't have a wing attached or something like that. And I mean, I'm thankful that, that we had that going. I mean, we were bird hitching birds. We knew that. And we were separating birds by, by bags, kind of. I mean, it was a, hey, you two are hunting together. Your birds are in this bag. It wasn't clear separation of who shot what. We were throwing that, that group of clients into one bag and storing them. Sure. So what's the requirement there? Um, you know, you get a bunch of uh, hunters that they convene back at the lodge or they convene back at someone's house and they throw all the birds um, into a freezer uh, after they, you know, are breasting them out. And, you know, what what's the requirement there? So any anytime you're storing birds at a – any place other than anytime you're storing waterfowl, not all migratory birds, doves, you do not have to have a wing attached. Um, but your ducks and geese, you have to have a wing or head attached when you're storing them, unless you're at your personal abode. So if me and you take a trip to the Platte River and we decide to go up and shoot ducks and we're going to stay in a hotel, we shoot the first day's worth of ducks, and we go to clean them. We have to leave a winger head attached. When we go to put them in the cooler, they need to be they need to be tagged somehow in some form or fashion. So when a game warden, if a game warden shows up and checks the cooler, you're not at your personal abode, so you have to have a winger head attached. Right. He's going to find that, and he's not going to have to ask. Whose is this? And we say, well, we kind of put all of our Mallard Drakes in one deal, and I think he's got a hen in this Mallard hen in this, and I got two pintails or something in this. I don't, I don't remember. There's no confusion. And one of the things, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but when you when you look at the whole picture, it makes more sense because. If he runs, if he scans those birds for lead and finds lead in them, and you're saying those are your birds, then there's, 
he doesn't have to worry about proving who's who did what. You openly admitted those birds are mine. I've tagged them. Those birds are mine. And so if he scans them and six six out of six of them have lead in them, there's no argument. Well, they weren't mine. We put them in a big pile, and they could have been his, and we didn't have them tagged. So he wants to see him tagged. He wants to see him properly labeled. It makes his job easier no matter what he's doing. Right. And it makes him feel more comfortable that you're being a good sportsman, a good steward of what's going on in your your you're basically doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. So when you go to a lodge, when you go to another outfitter, um, those outfitters should be tagging, should make sure that those birds are tagged if they're storing them in their, their lodge freezer. And that's, that's where I got into a lot of trouble is because I had multiple clients there with multiple birds in my freezer, none of which were tagged. So then all of a sudden it becomes a possession violation for me because it wasn't my personal home, but I owned that that lodge, so it starts to become possession issues, ticket issues, you know, tagging issues, and so that that created quite a problem. So right. the good thing about another good thing about the tag, my tag being durable and waterproof, is that you can pull it off, you can clean your six ducks, you can bag your six ducks. You can bag, right bag one of two on one bag and two of two on another and stick the tag to bag one or whatever. And it's going to identify, it's going to match everything up for the game warden. So when he looks, he's going to see, okay, we got six, six, six or five ducks, six ducks here. And we've got them between these two bags. We got bag one of two and bag two of two. It's attached to this bag. This is what they said they are pulls them out that's what's in there so you can go straight from the 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 game tote to the bag essentially so you can just have that one um heavy hitter tag and we'll we'll get into the the different products that you do have that you do offer Uh, but you can take a heavy hitter tag heavy hitter tag and take it straight from your game strap um just what duct tape it onto a plastic ziplock and you're good to go. You can you can either drop it in a ziploc and stick it right to the front. You can throw it down in the bag with it because remember it's waterproof. waterproof it's yeah. not not going to cause any problems. You're just going to have to dig a little bit deeper for it. You can take clear packing tape and stick it right on the on the front. We looked at doing bags. We had a request to do bags at one time, like a ziploc bag that you could write on the outside of it. And the more I talked to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife and other people, they said, you, you, you got a tag already, a good tag. Just stick, just stick with it. Yeah. Stick it. You're better off just to stick it on there. Sure. And, and be done with it because it has your most accurate information. It has the date you hunted, what you harvested. Yeah, Cause then you're just writing twice. Yes. Yeah. And, Correct. and we don't want any more work. And honestly, yeah, you, you know, you think about you're out there hunting. Um, and if you've got to write down, everything multiple times that that can i can see that that was yeah exactly go ahead and no and that was one of the reasons that we ended up going to the heavy hitter tag is because the more i learned i thought okay instead of filling out 15 individual tags to attach to a group of doves i can fill out one heavy hitter tag that says 15 doves i can put them in a walmart sack 
throw my tag in there on top of them, tie them in a knot, and throw them in the back of my truck, and yeah. I'm legal. I don't have anything to worry about. I can hook it to my shell belt that's holding my birds or my vest or whatever. And when I take my vest off to ride back into town and set it in the back, it's all right there attached together. Yeah. You've got – so, okay, the the three different things – well, I guess you have four different products, correct? I have several, some of which came upon request. I have the original tag. That's and just one and tag, one bird. It's a one tag, one bird type of tag. I, I sold a lot of those. I still sell a lot of them. Um. But a lot of times I sell those to guys that are shooting sea ducks or swans or birds where they don't have a lot of harvest. They're not going to be, they're not going to be killing the numbers. Yeah. And a lot of times they're going to take those birds to be mounted. Sure. And so you just walk in and hand it to the taxidermist and it's got everything the taxidermist needs. And so when, when you take a bird into the taxidermist, and they make you fill that out, fill out paperwork on it, yep. and ask for your license and stuff. That's what they're doing Filling because they're they're about to become the person that the outfitter was, and they're going to be storing that in their freezer. And when the game warden comes by, they have to have that accounted for. Sure. Does that make more sense maybe? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there's the original tag. The second tag that I came out with was a gift tag. That's the um, red ones? It falls, yes, it falls under 50 CFR 2040. It is the gifting laws. Um, I made it to where all you have to do is fill in the blank and pass it along. Okay. So that was the second tag I came out with. The third tag I came out with was a heavy hitter. And when I originally produced the heavy hitter, I put the multiple birds on one side it's got like six spots for birds so you can put canada goose one snow goose two mm-hmm. mallard drake two pintail one blue wing teal one whatever right um so you could write multiple things in there and just use one tag on the reverse side of it it had the gift tag on it mm-hmm. so People could just gift it. It costs more to produce that tag. Sure. And I try to drive the price down as much as I can. So I ended up now I don't print that tag unless it's requested. And I give different pricing for that tag because it's a two-sided printed tag. Yeah, that makes sense. But – that so far, the three tags that we've talked about all have the reinforced eye, and they have a piece of elastic that comes through there that's durable, and it, it doubles. You you basically put it around the neck or the leg or the zip tie that's holding the six geese together or your game carrier or, or whatever, and it's just like a slip knot that slides through and attaches. Yep. The being elastic gives it a little bit of play. So it doesn't just rip right off if you get rough. Yeah, if you got like string or something. Yes, walking through stuff. The reinforced eye helps um, stop that as well. And the waterproof tag also helps it from just crumbling while you're standing in the marsh or or anything like that. Yeah. 
So now the basic hitter, heavy hitter tag is just a one-sided tag. Yeah, that, and and that, that seems allows, like the way to go. To sell it cheaper, yeah. Yeah, because you can just throw that thing on your game strap, and the first bird you get right down, blooming teal. Um, yeah. You know. And then the and next so then then you're kind of ahead of you're ahead of the game a little bit. So when it's time to go, if you got to get out of there because you're in you're in a honey hole or something and you're trying to get out of there yep. and let the birds finish coming into there, then you're kind of in, in pretty good shape if you're kind of riding as you go. Yeah. A little bit. Having it all a lot like of times I, and, yeah. I, a lot of times I see the guys use the fine point sharpies. Okay. And they, they seem to work, you know, really good. You don't have to worry about a pin getting cold. Yeah. Or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, I think I threw I, I always have a, like an alcohol marker in my um, in my blind bag, so I think that's probably what I'll use. Yeah. So then people started wanting actual carriers, so I started to work with a company on some game carriers. Um, I made a game carrier that was out of leather and brass, so it wouldn't corrode mm-hmm. in the marshes. Um, and I, and it had a tag attachment with it and it's a leather tag attachment and it has a brass clip and it would clip to that carrier and it would had a pocket in it and you would slide a tag down in it. And it was a smaller version of a heavy hitter tag, but it still had the six spots Yeah, and it would fit inside that leather deal and give you a little bit of reinforcement, a little bit more protection and you could ride on it through there was nothing in your way you could write right right to it and then i noticed that i started selling more of just those because people were clipping those on the zip ties or people were making their own game carriers out of paracord yeah they didn't want they they wanted they didn't want your game carrier they wanted the uh the tag they wanted the tag deal yeah and and those don't have, they have a reinforced eye, but that's just because we make everything with a reinforced eye. They don't have yeah. the elastic running through them. Right. And so they just sit inside the carrier and, and all that stuff. You, you can see pictures of all that stuff on the website as well and on my Facebook page. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, kind of hit it all there. Um, it, you know, the first time we talked, I was blown away uh, by, you know, all the, the stories you had told me, uh, or this exact story, pretty much. And uh, there was a couple other, you know, outlying questions that I had, um, you know, as far as, you know, how, how, do, how can people get a hold of you to, to get these things, you know? Well, um, you can look us up on Facebook. Under Toe Tags LLC, I have a Facebook page started. Um, you can find uh, you can find us on the actual internet at www.toetags dot com. You can email me at toetagsllc at yahoo.com. Or you can reach me by phone at 620-204-1424. 
888-646-8893. It is a cell phone, so you can text me yeah. or call me if you want. If I don't answer right away, um, remember, I'm no longer an outfitter, so I have a regular job. And so I will call you back. Um, I have it set up online for an online store. You can go to my Facebook page and get to my online store and look at it, or you can just go to the actual website and look at it, and you can order off that website. Uh, it's set up with PayPal. If you want to call and do stuff over the phone, I'm set up to do Square, or like I said, I'm set up yeah. to do PayPal. But So uh, um, here's, here's another question, too, for you. So there's, there's people listening right now um, that are probably – and you've had a lot of this, um, probably calling BS. Um, what have you have, – you've dealt with quite a bit of that. Um, what? <laughs> where, you know, people calling you out saying, um, you know, you're a liar and all this other stuff. Um, and what, what, what do you like – what do you say to them? You don't. I mean – it, it was really difficult at first when I first started. Um, and my, you know, I'm not real, I'm not a real old company. It's, you know, three years, basically three and a half years since I launched. So if you're bored, you can go back and look at early postings I had on my Facebook page and you will see, you know, there was two likes or three likes or whatever, or you would see people get on there. And I, I used to delete a lot of that early because I didn't like the negativity. Yeah. Um, I didn't like reading the negativity because I felt like, Hey, I'm out here trying to help you guys. Yeah. And you, you think I'm a liar and there, there, and I promise you there's guys listening right now that think I'm a liar. I got kicked off of Minnesota's one of Minnesota's waterfowl pages on Facebook because they said I was a scam. And so there, there is that out there. I, I promise you with every ounce of my heart, listen to what I'm saying, do the research and don't just do the research by calling your local game warden because a lot of your local guys aren't real clear on what the tagging laws are. And so that creates a little bit more confusion. And I've dealt with that here in the state of Kansas. And people, Kansas residents will know that. I've been to the game commissioner meetings and pushed them to get tagging into the regulations. We, we, Kansas has had regulations for like 52 years. And I, and I have every copy. I bought every copy. You can still get them from Pratt. And I've got every copy that was ever out. It was never in any regulation until three years ago, two years ago. They started putting the federal law, as it reads, into regulation. Mm. And so you'll see it in the Kansas books. Um, so it, it's, it's been a difficult road because there's nothing there that's telling people you have to do it. It's like using your blinker on a dirt road. It's a law to do it. Now, when you go to turn into a cornfield to set up decoys, do you turn on your blinker to turn in to a cornfield? Most of the time you don't. Is it a law? Yes, it's a law. Can you be ticketed for it? Yeah, you can. Will you be? 
Mm, probably not. Maybe not. But that goes back to what I was saying earlier. As the outfitter, you got to do it. If you're an outfitter and and you are not tagging you're feeding birds, your family with it, you know. Yeah, if you're not tagging birds and and storing birds that are tagged and doing things like that, you're in a lot of trouble and it's coming. It's going to catch up to you at some point and it's it's coming. Yeah. So, you know, on the on the on the individual level, I mean it's it's recommended. It, it's still a law. Are you going to get as much grief for it? Some guys you talk to say yes. Some guys you talk to say no. Louisiana, they print a sample tag in their book. So guys in Louisiana in your regulation books, you can look in the back under 50 CFR 2036. gives you a sample tag just like mine, except theirs isn't waterproof. And that's, that's the purpose of it. All these duck camps and hunt clubs and whatever. So hunt clubs are, I mean, it's a must at hunt clubs. And a lot of your, surprisingly, a lot of your hunt clubs do tag in some form. And and then when they find my tag, they say, hey, that's a, that's a lot more convenient than, yeah, I talked, I talked to, uh, Tim Grounds last week. He called me about tags and he's been using butcher paper and, and bailing twine, like the fabric stuff that's yeah. got the reinforced in it. Yep. And he's old school and, and I, and I love the guy. He's, He's, he's great and he made the sport amazing, but he's real straightforward too. So he gave me some ideas on some different stuff. He said, you know, I support you. I think you're doing a good thing. Um, and whatever. So people use all sorts of, of different stuff to tag. Sure. And, and whatever works, I'll help anybody. Even if, even if you're not going to buy my product, that's fine. You can still ask me questions. And I'll answer every question I can. And if I don't have an answer, before I give you the wrong answer, I'll call or I'll give you a number to call somebody and ask. So for the guys out there that are not really sure that that I'm telling the truth, do some homework on it. Look into it. Um, and a lot of times they're going to say, no, there's, you know, you, you don't have to tag them if you're in the vehicle. I hear that a lot from game wardens, but then they're going to, in the next breath, they're going to tell you they need to be separated. And some game wardens will just pull you over and let you kind of sort your own out. Yeah. That's not right. Right. It's like I said, don't, don't subject yourself to subjectivity. And when you're only talking, what what is it? Quarter of quarter a day. Yeah. Like I spend, I spend so much money on gas Shotgun shells, decoys, blinds, uh, hunting licenses. Why would I not just spend an extra twenty-five cents a hunt to? Yeah, and and the other thing that people don't realize, although as men mostly, you know, and we have we have women in the industry too, and I'm glad for that. And and the women that are listening will smile about this. But as the the man skeptic that's sitting there saying. This is stupid. I'm not doing that. Whatever. It, it comes back to it being 25 cents. And although you think you hunt 364 days of the year and the only day you don't is on your wife's birthday or whatever, that's not the, the case. I mean, most of you guys are hunting on the high end. You know, you're hunting 80, 80 days on, on the high end. Yeah. 
And so, you know, Big Sean Hammock bought bought tags for me this this week. I'm mailing him out tags. So, guys are guys are seeing the product that that know about tagging and they're tagging. Um, I'm sending a lot of product into Canada um, with guys that are going up there because as you're coming back and forth, and it is a law in Canada as well. Um, you know, they have some different laws too with bill of ladings and stuff like that when you're taking them to. Yeah. The processors and whatever. That's a whole different topic of discussion. But for the skeptics out there, please, please just try try to be calm and realize that I'm just out there to help you. I'm not necessarily out there to sell you a product. I mean, ultimately, that that would be a win win because you would use it and I would sell it. But be open enough to go look at it because especially outfitters it it will really change your life if they come after you um it changed my life drastically and it hasn't been fun but now you know now i'm in a lot lot better lot better frame of mind and things are good and it's made me who i am and and here i am and people have plenty to say about me but uh, i still stick my neck on the line to try to help you guys get the education you need and do the right things. Yes, sir. Now what's that first hunt back going to be like? I don't know. You know, I was thinking we had a cold front move through Kansas this morning. Yes, sir. We did. And I was, and I was noticing the birds on the retention pond south of the place I work and noticed that there was several new birds there. And, I mean, it brings a smile to my face and, you know, when they get up and move, I still, I still listen. Uh, the other night I was on a dirt road from one location to another and came across the spot I used to hunt and it was loaded with doves, probably thicker than I've ever seen them in there. And that still makes my heart beat. It's hard because I got to wait. Um, but I don't know, first time back, and I've met a lot of friends and a lot of people that have thanked me for helping them. And so I've been invited to hunt, you know, sea ducks in Maine and all sorts of different things. And although, like I said, I would love to to just come back and never look back and hunt the rest of my days because it's been a long, it'll be a long five years by that point. Um, I don't know. It'll be, it'll probably be very surreal, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate you for coming onto the show and, uh, supporting the show, um, and being able to put all this in front of the, you know, my listeners. And if there's any of you out there, like I said, um, real quick way to, to lose a hunter and we're not in any position to lose hunters right now, um, even the bad hunters we have out there, we need to educate them and, you know, retain them and, and make them conservation ethical hunters. And, uh, what quicker way to get to lose a hunter than, um, 200, 300, whatever, how many hundred dollar fine, um, uh, for not, not taking, you know, 25 cents out to the field. Um, or, you know, ah, haven't seen a game warden, uh, all, all month. 
I don't need to, I don't need to tag them. Um, I'm probably fine. You know what I mean? One of those things. And, you know, I agree. And there's no, like I said, I've, I've done everything I can to make it as cheap as possible. So, I mean, even at, you know, even at 40 hunts a year, you're, you're, you're hardly anything into it. You're 10 bucks into it. Yeah, exactly. So get some tags and, you know, a lot of guys end up buying tags for me and they buy extras and they give them to their buddies when they go and whatever. I mean, it's just, it's, it kind of takes care of their own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Ryan, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. We're going to be doing like some, some specific example stuff, um, in the upcoming episodes, like, Hey, did you know <laughs> you messed up when you, when you do this type of thing? And, uh, yeah, if anybody out there is listening, it's not worth it. Just, just go do it. <laughs> it is. Don't, it's a don't. lot simpler. And like I said, if you need anything, feel free to reach out to me anytime. I don't, I don't I care if you don't think you'll ever reach out to me save my number if you get into a jam call me and say help or whatever i'll be glad to help you i'll be glad to walk you through something if you end up dealing with the u.s fish and wildlife services in your lodge or whatever i mean i'll be there to support you and tell you hey it's gonna be all right you're gonna live through it it's not the end of the world take care of your family and friends and whatever and and I'll help support you through it. So keep my number around. If you ever need something, let me know. You know, again, my number is 620-204-1493. Or you can email me at totagsllc at yahoo.com or message me on our Facebook page. We're on Instagram, Twitter as well. Um or you can go to the website and you can contact me through the website as well. So don't be scared to reach out to me if you have a question. Uh, Ultimately I am here for you guys. So feel free to reach out to me if you have something or something pops up and you think, Hey, I wonder, I wonder about this or I wonder if he knows or whatever. I'll be glad to help you find the answers. And like, like we were talking, there's no reason to get in trouble over something silly um, as, as you know, our nation is under somewhat of an attack against hunters all the time. And the more of us that can stick together, um, we got to ensure our future, our kids' futures. You know, the, the world is becoming as less land every day and smaller spaces and tighter quarters every day. So the more people that we can keep in the field, we all know that love. So the more people that we can keep out there doing it. Yep we're we're investing in our in our future by making sure people are doing things right and and that we're sticking together absolutely all right and to finish up here i want to talk a little bit about some of our partners that we've got uh on the show um you know first we've got hunt hickory creek so chase uh over at hunt hickory creek they're doing something pretty cool, especially with this veteran giveaway. Um, and we've also got the uh, Fowl Front Hunt, which is on the uh, the first weekend there in December. Uh, so we're really excited about that, and we're going to be hoping to make that a uh, oh uh, an annual thing. So uh, we can definitely look forward to hearing a little bit more, you know, from uh, them as the season progresses. And don't forget, if you're you know thinking about 
um, spending money on a guided hunt somewhere out of state, um, especially in Kansas. Get on over here, um, talk to Chase, talk to Cody, talk to Scotty, uh, and you can, you know, basically get to check out a guide service for for free um, and make an informed decision instead of just some some guy off the internet um, or some you know somebody kind of told you something about this. You can you know get in there and you can really get to know them, and they're really good dudes, and um, they have a lot of really cool stuff coming up. So. Uh, go check out Hunt Hickory Creek if you're looking to get on an excellent waterfowl hunt um, anywhere around central Kansas. We've also got Dive Bomb Industries, and Dive Bomb Industries has given us 10% off uh, with the foul front code. So if you're looking to get into an affordable, um, extremely realistic, and really easy to set up spread, um, and basically want to add some numbers and be able to compete with like guys like uh, like Outfitters or the dude next next door who's throwing out you know 20 dozen go uh go check out if you're go check out silhouettes because and uh, go check out dive bomb decoy silhouettes so uh, these things are they're legit um and it's a really good way to build numbers fast and to compete so uh, plus they're a really cool really cool company and they got a lot of cool stuff coming out um in the next um, you know, several months. And then, you know, I've gotten a little bit of a, you know, look, <laughs> I've been just through talking with Asher and, um, Cody and like, they have some really cool stuff and plans for the future. So, um, and once again, one, kind of the common tenant here of all these partners is that they're all really cool people and really interesting, um, companies. So, yeah. Really looking forward to seeing what they've got coming out and, you know, uh, give them a shot because it takes about a minute to set out a dozen of these things and they take up zero space in the garage or truck. So go check out Dive Bomb Industries. Uh, We've also got Toe Tags LLC. Now, Toe Tags LLC is a company, they're based out of Kansas and um, you just heard their story. It's, uh, you know, a a cautionary tale. Uh, tale of you know a lot of heartache and hopefully we can help you avoid any of that situation um with toe tags lc i used them this weekend and they're super easy to use and uh, you know you might think it's a hassle and all that stuff but just the confidence of walking out of the field knowing that a game warden can't touch you because you know you are literally following the letter of the law It, it feels pretty good you know and it was really convenient, too, because I just slipped it in the, the bag uh, and threw it in the, the freezer, and it's good to go. I know that I've got four teal there instead of, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, obviously, you can tell teal, but it's nice to know what you've got in each bag. All right, we've also got Athlon Optics, and this might be some of the first time you're hearing about Athlon Optics, but they produce some really good shooting scopes, but I reached out to them um, because... They produce really awesome binoculars, and I'm telling you, I've looked, uh, I, I've looked through these Athlons, and I've got a pair in my truck right now, and you can see so much better. I, I pulled up, I won't name the brand that my dad has, but we're looking out, you know, through his, and then I pulled mine up, and um, <laughs> it's a clear, clear difference, um, and not to mention. Any company that is willing to go out there and say, hey, 
here's a lifetime guarantee, lifetime warranty. You know, it, it's good to know that you can have your um, your binoculars and use them instead of having to like keep them in an egg carton or something in the back of your in your backpack. Or it's good to know to just go out there with confidence that if uh, something happens to them, there's a there's a company that's going to stand behind them. So yeah. So go check those out. That's Athlon Optics. They're also a Kansas company. And uh, if you give Athlon Optics a quick Google search, you're going to find that this is not some small-time thing going on here. They uh, they're in like they're in most of the top fives um, for as far as glass and and they uh, they're producing um, you know binoculars that are. They're producing and selling them at a point that they 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 I don't know how they sustain it, but these things are definitely worth three or four times um, what you'd be paying for them. So that's definitely another consideration to think about. So go go ahead and check on uh, Athlon Optics and uh, tell them we sent you over there. And uh, you know what? We're going to be doing um, a couple giveaways um, that they've. They've sent us over some binoculars, and instead of just keeping them in my blind bag, I'm gonna try to put them into yours. So keep forward, uh, look, you know, look forward to that. Uh, we've also got freelance hunt stats. Uh, that's um, obviously Elliot from over there at Freelance uh, Duck Hunter. Um, he is got this awesome um, entrance system where you can basically plug in all of your uh, data instead of just keeping a journal uh, of kind of what you did. You this thing actually. It's a journal, but you can go back and you can analyze it and you can use the analytics and you can break stuff down. It's pretty cool. Um, and it's, I mean, for the, just give up a, a one Starbucks or give up, you know, one monster a month and you'll be, you'll, you'll be in, uh, in like Flint. So go ahead and check that out and then you can improve on your future hunting successes and basically get to go back and look fondly on, on all these things. On all of, That's one of the things that I like about my hunting journals and what I'm really excited for for this thing is because now I can go back and be like, oh, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, that's, that's cool. So, yep, go check them out. We've also got uh, we got duck nuts. Um, duck nuts, you know, I hadn't used them in the field until this weekend. They, they're amazing products. Um, you can literally just – you to throw it on there. You just do a quick tie, and then all you got to do is just grab the decoy in one hand, the loop in the other, stretch it across, and the the duck nut <laughs> slides either down to the um, to the bottom where you can you know, then throw it out, or it slides back up to the you know the keel, and then you just throw it into a bag, and you don't have to worry about things getting wrapped up because it's the the weight part is sitting right next to the uh, the decoy. And so you throw them all in a bag, and all you got to do is grab plastic, and then the freaking line just follows it out. So instead of like a Texas rig where you have to like make sure you're not crossing lines or or shoving anything down in there, and you got a big old mess when you just throw it down, this thing you just throw it in a bag and grab a decoy, toss it out. It's pretty dang simple. Um, so yeah, go check them out. They also got uh, 10% off uh, if you use the code FOULFRONT. Um, on their site so head on over to ducknuts.com that's d-u-k-n-u-t-z then there's uh gypsum creek retrievers evan down there is running a full service gun dog training facility uh, right in the middle of kansas and we look i look forward to heading down there i'm actually in a couple weeks here two weeks i'm heading down there and we're gonna 
we're going to go hunt it up and uh, get, get on some teal, and he's going to show me kind of some of his methods and some of his dogs that he's training right now, and I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to do an episode um, basically on, you know, tuning up dogs and kind of what his program is all about. Um, it's not like most of the programs out there, but it's got some similarities with some of the, the really more successful um, dog trainers out there. So, yeah. Uh, and then we've also got, if you are trying to figure out how to learn to call, or even if you just want to make sure that you're all tuned up, there's some there's some good programs out there uh, for you, but I'm going to recommend Duck Tech app. Um, so you go down into the Google store and you Duck Tech, um, Duck Tech mobile app, download this thing, um, and it's got uh, Barney Califf on there, who is a you know, three-time world champion duck caller. And he teaches you the elements, the basic elements of um, your duck calling and kind of tells you, you know, what they mean and when to hit them and all that stuff. I looked through it, and it's pretty cool. The coolest feature about it is is you can hear it, you know, it goes wah, 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 and then you can make the sound. Wah, wah, wah. It'll record you, and then it'll play it over that. So you can say, okay, this is what they sound like. This is what I sound like. Oh, okay, dang. Okay, delete that recording and then hit it again. And so that you can kind of um, compare and evaluate yourself. And I think that's an extremely useful function. Um, yeah. And then we've, uh, last but not least, we've got SRB field rests. And these things are cool too. There's a, They're also a local Kansas company. In fact, the where he gets them manufactured and molded um, is... I am, you know, I'm up here at my parents' house, and I'm looking south, and, and you know, in Nebraska, you can just about see 20 miles, and uh, you can almost see it, so, um, yeah, and anyways, it, these things are pretty cool. Instead of laying your expensive shotgun in the mud, you just stick this thing in the mud or the ground, and uh, it props it right there, and they've got, they've got stands for uh, all sorts of stuff. they got crossbows, shotguns, rifles, and... Uh, you know, whether you're in a dry field or a muddy field, or if you're in a marsh, you know, the flooded fields or the flooded timber, he's got something for you. So um, head on over to srbfieldrest.com and enter the code uh, FOULFRONT for a 10% discount, store-wide. Well, all right, Ryan, I, I appreciate it. I thank you very much. And, um, yeah, I look forward to um, spreading this message and helping everybody out and, um yeah, staying legal. All right, that's right. Keep it legal. Keep it legal. And uh, thanks thanks a lot for having us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, All right. Ryan, you have a great night. Uh, thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids We'll be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. I and mean, if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week
Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 